the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts. And a pleasant good afternoon to you. Welcome on board. It is the Wednesday edition of Lifeline for the seventh day of August. Wow, the calendar just pages turning, turning, turning. Uh, You're going to be on Christmas shopping, Joel, before you know it. I'll get you a list of things that I have on my want list later, but you got a little time yet. <laughs> We're going to look forward to spending some time with you today, dealing with a variety of topics and issues. We're going to continue our ongoing Bible study series tonight, and uh, we'll get into that conversation um, with Pastor Don a little bit later on in hour number two this evening. I want to lead off with a, a topic that we touch on periodically here on the program. Um, but one that bears, I think, repeating either from the standpoint of being introductory thoughts to somebody that is struggling or just a good healthy reminder uh, for the rest of us who from time to time need to sort of have that reset button pushed in relationship to how we view our life, our families, our careers, ultimately the vision that we have, whatever that might be, whatever that might look like for the kind of person that we want to be, the kind of family we wish to raise, the kind of success we wish to enjoy in our work, in our vocation, or um, whatever it might, it might be. A lot of success is tied into, and is interesting when you talk to successful individuals either in ministry or in the corporate world, that you begin to find out that there is a thread of consistency that runs through pretty much all of the responses once you kind of dig down past some of the top layer minutia and get down to the minutia, and that is that highly successful people learn how to develop highly successful habits. And what exactly does that mean? Well, our next guest is going to help us understand more. She is a corporate trainer, a certified performance and life coach, and is the founder and CEO of IPV Consulting. Michelle Streffs is the author of a new book called Your Journey to Greatness Through Routine, a guide to creating a success routine. And Michelle, great to have you on the program. Well, thank you for having me, Craig. It's a joy to be here. Now, I say routine, you say routine, and some people hear, oh, I know what that is. That means being stuck in a rut. (laughs) But the irony, of course, is that in this day and age, when so much around us is changing so rapidly, either because of the advancement of innovation, new ideas, technology, things of this sort in the working world, or even society and culture around us. I mean, I think we can argue that the tragic events of the last week have caused a lot of people to sort of rethink the fact that, uh, gee, even casually going to the store anymore is potentially wrought 
with risk, suggesting that as the world around us continues to change, maybe it is learning how to harness the power of healthy habits and routines that can give us not only a sense of grounding and a sense of focus, but as I suggested in my opening remarks, a lot of very successful people um, will tell you that there is a very um, almost religious regimen to what they do and why they do it in their private lives and in their business lives that they will credit as having been, if not contributory at the minimum, uh, foundational to their success in life. That's absolutely true. And uh, routine can sound like a dirty word at times, but, uh, but it's definitely something that can turn your life around if you use it to your advantage. And one of the things that I like to say right off the bat, now whether I'm speaking in front of a group or even on an interview such as this, is if we begin to really dig in and understand the mechanics of our body, how God put us together, you know, how our brain works and how our physiology works and how we can change all of that from the inside out, that's when we can really begin to see a change in the world around us. And some of this routine, as I suggest, based on some of the madness that goes on around us, and it can be everything from just the day-to-day challenges of running a business or being an employee to uh, to more significant issues, that having that, that sense of, of, of habit that can help ground you, help allow you to sort of refocus during those moments when you feel overwhelmed by either the change or just the day-to-day happenings of life and business around you, that sense of routine can 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 oftentimes, I would imagine, be the difference between make it or break it, can it not? Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. And I've worked with a number of clients that have, you know, done everything uh, through changing their routine. They've done everything from, from coming out of clinical depression to uh, reorganizing their family, their lives, their careers, and even getting promotions. Because, you see, when you begin to rewire your brain intentionally by what you choose to listen to, watch on TV, you know, what you fill your heart and mind with on a day-to-day, and as, you know, the Bible says, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of, out of it flow the issues of life. That's when it's a game-changer, because you have what's called neural networks in your brain that you've built from baby to today. And if you'll allow me, I'd like to share kind of how that happens. I, I would, because I think understanding some of the brain science behind all of this, to understand this is not just, uh, you know, uh, nice motivational talk that's going to help a couple of people uh, maybe open up an insight or two, but there, there really is significant brain science behind all of this to demonstrate that when you apply it, it really does work. Absolutely, yes, yes. So uh, what happens is you have 100 billion neurons in your brain since the time you're born to today, even before you were born, really. And you've been building on those neurons through the thoughts you think. So when you start to think a thought, you grow what's called a dendrite. It's made of protein. It's a pinkish-brown in color. It looks like a little bit of like a kind of a tree coming out of your neuron. And as you continue to think that thought again and again and again, it fires off electrical impulses at 400 billion actions per second. Now, as that's firing off, this little dendrite is growing and attaching to other neurons. You never grow just one, though. You grow multiples, becoming networks. And so what you end up with is a 1,000 trillion synaptic connections by the time you are 35 years old. 
And all of these neural networks you created are controlling your life and how you think and perceive relationships, society as a whole, your job, your ability to succeed, your ability to, you know, to get through difficult times with a good, solid state of mind. This is all how you're seeing your life. And the cool thing is, is that the way we're created is to actually what's called self-directed neuroplasticity. We can, you know, on purpose, think about the right things. And, you know, since I know you're a Christian show, you know, in Philippians it talks about think on things that are good and pure and noble, lovely and of good report. And, you know, if you go back to the Old Testament, uh, I know God told us to meditate on the Word day and night when we rise up, when we lie down, when we go in, we come by the way. You know, in Proverbs it says, as a man thinks, so is he. So you're developing those neural networks, and it's controlling your life. And the cool thing is, is when the second you open your eyes in the morning till you close them at night, you're designing those networks. And you can either attach more new ones by intentionally thinking the right things, or you can do what's called pruning, which is actually watching uh, neural networks will literally fall off neurons. You can only, you know, can have so many on a neuron. And so you're losing thoughts that are hurting you and damaging you while you're gaining thoughts that are helping you. Does that make sense? It does. And what's so fascinating about this is I think that for a lot of us is we grow up and we go through life. And we accumulate experiences in our childhood, in our family of origin, uh, in our relationships, both personal and business. And we, we tend to collect these experiences that are often rooted in fear and pain and disappointment. And then we take those experiences and we kind of use it as a guide almost in in the day-to-day manner in which we react with the world around us in a very reactive fashion. So, you know, if we've had experiences that have frightened us, we're going to approach new things. We're going to approach the unknown with a great sense of fear. Um, And so I suppose what you're talking about here is being able to sort of short circuit some of those bad habits, those those sort of pre-programmed, experientially programmed responses to circumstances and situations saying, hey, wait a minute, there's a different, fresh, new way of looking at this, that instead of facing a circumstance that normally to you might trigger a fear response, the, the, the fight-flight response, and you run away from, maybe beginning to sort of do this reprogramming, as you're suggesting, will allow us to run toward this, because oftentimes that's where success is waiting for us. Absolutely, yes. You couldn't have said it better. And, you know, case in point, you know, you're you're growing those neural networks, whether they're good or bad. Your brain does not distinguish which ones they are. They're just going to grow whatever you program in, okay? So if all you do is get up in the morning and go, oh, you know, I hate my job. I I can't stand my life. You know, my marriage is falling apart. And, you know, and then you're looking at society and you're watching the news all the time and that's depressing you. And that's all you do is fill your mind and your heart with those things. Then you're creating those neural networks that are just going to make life awfully tough because you're going to respond to whatever you have put in. And, you know, so the basic uh, uh, precept behind having a good routine is creating a routine from the moment you wake up to you close your eyes at night that is going to substantiate good thinking, okay? So, you know, for example, you know, get up in the morning and start with gratitude. You know, make a gratitude list and start thanking God for all that you have instead of what you don't have. You know, gratitude is a very powerful energy, a very powerful way to reverse that, those, those bad uh, neural networks that you've created. Because you can't be grateful and angry at the same time. It's not possible. Okay? Now, I'm talking truly grateful in your heart. Not just, uh, you know, okay, thank you, but not really meaning it. And so there's a lot of power to that. And when you begin to live a life that way, 
you actually affect your physiology, which is your body chemistry, because you have what's called neurotransmitters. And those neurotransmitters are releasing chemicals constantly based on your thoughts. So if you think, say, for example, happy thoughts and you're laughing, you release things like dopamine and serotonin, which, mind you, those are the two chemicals that if you're short on those, you go into depression, okay? Um, if, you're, if you're upset and angry all the time, you're releasing cortisol. You're releasing adrenaline. And those actually paralyze the frontal cortex of your brain for the case of, uh, uh, you know, a, a situation where maybe you're in peril and you have to have that survival mechanism engaged then you can't allow your reasoning to kick in. You've got to be able to react, okay, in a survival way. So, so all these, these chemicals that are in our body are there to help us, but when we don't understand what they do and we don't operate from day to day um, in a way that helps to release the, the right ones, then we're going to feel depressed. We're going to feel angry. We're going to feel sad all the time. And the more that we do it, the more we perpetuate it. And and I love the the connection that you're making here, Michelle, because there there's a physiological uh, consequence to all of this. There's also a spiritual consequence to all of this. I mean, just listening to your talk, uh, it 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 begins to then sort of uh, uh, come to mind and a deeper understanding for myself. Why halfway through the book you spend time talking about unforgiveness and how we know certainly from a scriptural standpoint what the root of unforgiveness and bitterness can do to your life your sense of well-being your relationship certainly with others both at the horizontal and vertical plane and as michelle mentions in her book this unforgiveness can be a killer of energy and passion and dreams so see there's there's deeper connections here to much of this than uh, perhaps what even seemingly on the surface meets the eye michelle stives is with us today your journey to greatness through routine we take a time out we'll come back to more of our conversation as lifeline continues Let's get you updated on traffic right now. 519, we're a bit late. Let's see what's going on out there traffic-wise. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. One of my uh, my favorite success motivators, in addition to the late Zig Ziglar, is John Maxwell. John's been a guest on this program several times down through the years. John refers to success as a journey and not a destination that helps put things in perspective, taking us perhaps even a bit deeper today in our conversation with best-selling author Michelle Stipes, who have, we mentioned is a corporate and personal trainer, certified performance and life coach, and the author of this new book, Your Journey to Greatness Through Routine, that it's not just a matter of looking at this as a journey, but also along the way understanding that certain stumbling blocks that get placed in our way, we need to make an intentional effort to remove. And you've touched on this issue of unforgiveness. I don't want to get too deep in this because our time is waning, uh, Michelle, but but you found it important enough that halfway through the book, you stopped and addressed this issue. Why do you feel it's so critically important? It is detrimental, and it's, and it's forgiveness towards others, but also even forgiveness towards yourself, and I've dedicated a chapter to each one of those, taking you through steps, because forgiveness is not an event, okay? It is a journey. It is, it's going to take a different amount of time for everybody, depending on what they've been through and what they need to process, but the idea is to begin processing it, because until you do, you're going to have 
different uh, mental blocks. You're going to have health issues. You're going to walk around in high stress and anxiety, and you'll see symptoms like uh, reduced attention, lower perception. You'll have emotional distress where you, you begin to affect the cellular structure of your brain, altering your amygdala, you know, and shrinking your hippocampus where you have memory issues. You're not able to sleep at night. I mean, if you want to be unhealthy and you want to live a life like that, then go ahead and live in unforgiveness. But the fact of the matter is, is we aren't designed to walk around filled with bitterness, anger, resentment, and unforgiveness, and there is a serious consequence to that. We all walk around with habits uh, of that, uh, to be sure. I guess the big question is whether or not they're good, healthy habits or bad habits. How do we go about breaking some of the unhealthy habits and even an unhealthy habit can be, uh, you know, consistently inconsistent. How do we break those and begin establishing some of these healthier habits, healthier routines? Well, first of all, get the book. <laughs> um, but basically what it is is exchanging. It's an exchange game. So, you know, if you're on social media all the time, why not trade it in for some Bible reading or listening to just people like John Maxwell or a Zig Ziglar or somebody that you really adore and, you know, appreciate? Why not? I mean, we have digital devices. We can use them to our advantage rather than our disadvantage. You know, people that say, well, I don't have time to work on myself. Well, if you sat down and did a log of all the time you spend on things like video games, television, social media, the news, all the things that aren't necessarily feeding your heart and mind correctly, and you trade those in for the right things, that's how you can start to see life change and evolve and wire those new networks in. And that's just part of it. I mean, you can, you can delve into exercising, which is releases endorphins and gives you clarity of mind. You know, it actually lowers cortisol, which is a stress hormone. There's many, many things you can do to your routine to change the game. And do you really need to sit down and be purposeful in the sense of saying, I'm going to begin this routine if I if I break the routine because I backslide for a day, I'm not going to beat myself up over it. It's like dieting, you know. I, I'm trying to eat and develop new diet habits. If I if I backslide because I go to a birthday party and and have too much cake, uh, I'm not going to beat myself up over it. But the next day, I'm going to make sure I get back right on track again. And then, is it important to commit these things not just to memory but also to writing? I am so glad you said that, Craig. That that was very well spoken. And yes, you should not be beating yourself up because we're all going to slip. We're all going to make mistakes. The idea is consistency over time. And it's the little things you do every day that make the biggest difference. And writing it down actually mirrors those neurons. So you're going to remember it if you write it down. I mean, just think about a time maybe you made a list and then you went to the grocery store and because you actually put it in writing, you didn't even have to take the list out of your pocket. That's how powerful list making is. One of the things that we know to a certainty is the power of the law of attraction. And, and I've always been one that believes in success breeds success, meaning if you spend your day hanging out with nothing but losers, you're probably going to emulate their loser attitudes and behaviors, and it's going to just help make you become a better loser. So as we look at towards beginning this journey toward greatness, do we need to begin to, uh, through the power of attraction, begin to start looking at the, the habits of highly successful people and begin to look at how we can adopt those habits into our and routines into our own life? Most definitely. Most definitely. It would behoove anyone to sit down and think about who they're associated with or who they're listening to, even on, you know, on like I say, news and media and things like that. 
because what you pour in is what is going to generate the person that you are. So definitely the people you're hanging around, those that you maybe, you know, look up to or you listen to or spend a lot of time with, whether they're in person or not, it's all going to affect you. But there's definitely a science behind the law of attraction, and I don't know if I have time to even get into that. It would probably take me a couple minutes to explain it. Uh, just give you, us right? a, quick, a quick thumbnail sketch, sure. Okay. All right. So basically, when you're in the energies of the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, you know, all those things, and especially compassion and gratitude, you emit a magnetic energy that can be measured out as far as six to eight feet from your body. Okay? Now, this is according to HeartMath Institute, and it can be found at heartmath.org if anybody wants to look up the research. But when you're in emotions such as anger, offense, fear, apathy, you actually become a repulse. And you've probably been in the room before with somebody that was in those emotions, and it just felt like you wanted to get away from them. Can you identify? Absolutely. We all can, I think. Yes. So so the point is, you know, we, we are all, you know, we're not, nothing around us is not moving. In other words, there's energy all around us. And so God designed us to either attract or repel people based on our emotions. And if you think about the ministry of Jesus himself, you know, John was laying on his chest all the time. People were wanting to run and be near him. They were wanting to touch him all the time. And it's because he had this very warm, loving, compassionate energy about him. And, you know, that makes perfect sense, because if if you're kind and honest and giving and forgiving, you're probably going to attract others who are kind and honest and giving and forgiving. And if you're somebody who's constantly angry, constantly stirred up, um, you know, uh, they say opposite attracts, but 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 uh, in in the the science of electricity, we also find that there is always the gathering of likes. And so the the negative uh, and the positive will tend to come and cluster together in groups. And, uh, and and there can be the real downfall. So I guess the part of this heart change and this attitude change and the r- routine change uh, goes to the idea of rethinking about the way you just – the way your, your attitude is, what you wear on your sleeve, so to speak, will either attract other people that are heading in the right direction or other people that are heading in the wrong direction. That's absolutely true, yes. And people pick up on it. Like I say, you can sense when somebody's angry with you when you walk in the room, even if they don't look it on their face. You can feel it. You can feel if somebody is, is, is hates you or, you know, it has something against you. They don't have to speak it. You just feel it. Ask any, ask any wife who's uh, been waiting when her husband comes home or vice versa, and the minute he or she walks through the door, if they've had a bad day, they don't have to say a word. You can tell immediately, and uh, there's a lot to, to prove that out. Wow. Uh, we have not even begun to scratch the surface on this subject matter. Michelle, that means we're going to have to have you back uh, when we can talk longer. Unfortunately, the clock is against us today. Uh, but don't let that discourage you on your journey to greatness through routine. The new book, by the way, is uh, newly published by uh, BPI Press. And uh, you can get it online, Usual Suspects, Amazon.com. You can also get it through Michelle's website at IPV. Consulting, ipvconsulting.com. Our thanks to best-selling author Michelle Streps for being with us today on this segment of Lifeline. All right, let's get caught up on some traffic here. 5.33 on the clock. The latest now from the KFAX Traffic Center.
And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. One of the issues that seemingly is sort of a, a, um, a frequent topic on this program down through the years has been the issue of the importance of education, but not just any education. It's the right education. It's the education that's going to take you to the next level in life. Sadly, we've seen the ongoing drumbeat of the demand of corporate America wanting increased numbers of HB1 visas to bring more immigrants in. Why? Well, for the same reason that major manufacturers in Detroit, for example, have set up remedial education programs for their employees who graduate from high school, sometimes even have college, and yet had a difficult time with reading comprehension. All of this pointing to failures, not across the board, but in certain areas of our education system. And there is no place more important to establish proper education, proper study skills, a proper vision for the future in a child than at the most earliest stages of education. That, of course, is in um, grades K through 12. Joining me now to talk about this is Steve Macchio. Steve is the headmaster of Canterbury Christian School. He's also the rector of St. Paul's Anglican Church in Los Altos. And uh, thank you so much for taking time to be with us today. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for your time. You know, we talk about education, and I think some people hear, oh, that means, uh, you know, a child who proves himself or herself to be proficient in the three R's. They understand maybe a little basics of history, things of this sort, and that's it. But as I think um, history is beginning to show us that if other aspects are not woven into a child's education, aspects that include things like not just knowing facts, but also having the capacity to reason so that children aren't being taught what to think, but rather how to think, and also a baseline structure of morals and virtue that will guide them as they think and draw conclusions to move them way, their way not only through their their careers but also through life. Uh, th- these seem to be areas that, sadly, for a lot of kids today, are sorely lacking. Why is that? Well, I think it's back to what you said about our government schools. They've some parts of them have functioned well, and we've been able to get the three R's in. But for the most most of the schools in our area here in the Bay Area. There is a lack of emphasis on content in the classroom and more content on politics. They're more concerned with transgender bathroom policies than whether or not kindergartners can read. Uh, More so than that, I'm a product of government school. I went through K-12 and did college and government schools. But what they are missing at the very core is that education is something that God has given to mothers and fathers and that this has been delegated out for people to be formed under the Word of God, and that there's nothing that can replace that foundation, that education, you talk about reasoning, you talk about uh, reconciling our purpose and our knowledge together, without God as the center of your educational system, it will eventually fall apart. And perhaps even deeper than that is this notion that we've sort of pulled away from some aspects of education that I would put in the category of, of more uh, traditional, uh, maybe the more appropriate term is classical education. And by that I mean that 
Today it seems to be studying to pass a test to graduate from school or studying to be able to score a certain number on the SATs to go on to a two- or four-year college or university. But what is lacking beyond the fact that it's happening in a values vacuum is the notion, too, that thought and logic um, seem to be taken out of the equation. Even the ability of a child to understand um, what what some of the greatest thinkers of all time can bring us and how exposure to best thoughts of the best thinkers can guide us into the future. So much of that has fallen by the wayside. That's right. And here at Canterbury in Los Altos, we are a classical school. We embrace what we describe as the vision of the American founders. George Washington didn't have an iPad and he didn't have access to, to Wikipedia, but he knew the, the Latin poets, he knew the uh, Bible scriptures, he had an ability and a familiarity with the classics. And that combined with a uh, 3R education gave him that foundation that you're talking about, Craig. He was able to, to build not just his vocabulary, but able to synthesize new ideas based on what they'd learned from generations uh, and millennia before. And, of course, the irony is that 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 approach has carried us through, certainly over the last century, through uh, two world wars, through a Great Depression, through all kinds of calamity, because uh, children historically were taught, traditionally were taught, uh, not just to memorize things and be able to spit out, you know, information by rote, but rather also what it meant to be a virtuous individual, what it meant to to gain knowledge and to exercise wisdom. And these are things that sadly most most public schools today, most government schools today, don't touch on at all. I mean, I, I, I have to wonder, was it such a shame all those years for kids, for example, to be exposed to uh, traditional things like traditional literature or the study of Latin or Greek? Right, and those things are, are sorely missing. We teach Greek to eight-year-olds here. We teach Latin to eight-year-olds. We teach them this ancient language for them to have that connection to the, the faith and the success of our founders, of our uh, ancient beliefs. But also, you talk about the missing virtues. Um, I think that the virtues aren't missing. They're just misplaced. What used to be a virtue was responsibility, you know, self-determinism, uh, caring for others. And those virtues have been rela- replaced with uh, what are progressive virtues, uh, extreme tolerance uh, of perversion, uh, transgenderism, these weird and strange ideas. Those are the new virtues in the government schools, and they are forced down the, the throats of Christian parents. Uh, and I think what's missing is our true Christian our true traditional Christian values. And I think what's unique, and and this is one of the reasons why I was delighted you were able to join us for a few moments today, what's unique about the approach at Canterbury Christian School is it's not just a good basic education in the three R's. It's not just an education that is founded in traditional biblical principles. It's not just an education that values values, but it's an education that is strongly academic, rooted in what we'll call the classical education aspects, some of which we've already touched on today. And I would imagine for your students, that is really making the difference. It is. It is. And we see a resurgence across America of, of traditional classical students succeeding. Now, our students go to MIT, they go to Stanford, they go to Harvard. But what they really have is an education that prepared them to be lifelong learners. They 
go into every job or vocation they want and continue to be students. They don't see education as an end in itself or to get the next paycheck or to get the next job promotion, but rather that they're called to be lifelong disciples, not just of our Lord, but of uh, whatever career or calling the Lord has put on their life. You were probably one of the, is it fair to say, one of the few schools in all of the San Francisco Bay Area that can be um, accurately described as a classical school then? That's true. There are very few schools that take a classical approach. And yet, ironically, the one approach that has the greatest history of the greatest success of all time is the classical approach. (laughs) You know something the others don't. (laughs) Well, it's different because... What's interesting is we, we try different things in public education. We try Common Core, and it fails. We try paying teachers more, and it fails. We try doing what the unions say, and it fails. But if we just go back uh, to the basics, to what worked 100 years ago, not only were students achieving more, but our culture was producing better students. I think what scares people about classical education is that it expects that children have a great potential in themselves that children will grow up and be able to not only accomplish more, but they'll be able to do what our great founders thought that children could accomplish. Here's one of the amazing things I want to mention for listeners. As they're gathering from our conversation, um, Canterbury Christian is very different, and it's different because it strives to not only maintain the structured environment, um, the Bible is a foundation for all subjects, spiritual and character growth key for all students, but doing so in a setting that that really not just demonstrates but celebrates classical education in thought and logic, uh, the study of, of literature, uh, exposing students to the best thoughts of the best thinkers of all time that can so much be a guide for them into the future. Now, the amazing news is that Canterbury Christian is participating in the KFAX half-off tuition program, which means right now, if you'd really like to enroll your student in this caliber of a school, for first-time enrolled students of a family, you can get in for half-off the normal rate. Now, of course, uh, the, the, the usual uh, scholastic requirements uh, would apply as it would for, for any child coming into uh, the school program. But it's an amazing opportunity for you to do something really special for your child's education at those foundational years of pre-kindergarten through fifth grade. Want to find out more? Well, you can check out if you're down in the South Bay, and as we mentioned, Canterbury Christians located in Los Altos. You can check them out online at Canterbury CS. Think of Christian School. Canterbury Christian School. CanterburyCS.org. And if you want to get more details about how you can take advantage of the special half-off back-to-school tuition discount offer through KFAX. You can check us out at kfax.com. Just click on the half-off tuition banner. That's kfax.com. Our thanks to Headmaster Father Steve Machias for being with us today. He, again, is the Headmaster of Canterbury Christian School. Check him out online, canterburycs.org. Information about how you can enroll your student through the half-off tuition program at kfax.com. Get a look at traffic now. 550, an update. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. 
Welcome to Healing Habits with Dr. John Duong of the Holistic Health Center. Our topic today addresses a largely preventative disease that currently affects more than 30 million Americans, in fact, some 10% of the U.S. population. As recent as in 2017, Americans spent, get this, $245 billion addressing it. It's diabetes. Now, the side effects of diabetes can run the gambit. This disease includes numbness, swelling, loss of circulation, leg discomfort, cramping, all under the larger banner of peripheral neuropathy. Joining me today in studio, Dr. John Duong, to talk about this. And Dr. Duong, adult-onset diabetes, as we know, represents some 90% of all diagnosed cases, much of it both preventable and treatable. But it sounds to me as if we're almost at epidemic proportions with such a growing percentage of the American population suffering from diabetes and its side effects. Yes. Usually peripheral neuropathies are more like for like seniors, like especially the baby boomers. If you're around the baby boomers, most of the, the baby boomers do have some of those peripheral neuropathy symptoms. Now, sometimes we think, well, gee, I've just got a little leg cramping that's normal or maybe a little tingling in my feet. It's due to growing older, poor blood circulation, things of this sort. But give us a sense. When we talk about peripheral neuropathy, what are some of the warning signs or the symptoms of it? Some of the symptoms are like numbness, burning feet pain, cramping, electrical pain, painful when you're walking, leg discomfort, usually at night too, tingling, numbness, loss of balance is very important, and also weakness and feet swelling. So if you're seeing large uh, ankles, for example, or, or maybe in bed you get, sometimes people will refer to it as restless leg syndrome. Yes. Some of these are actually symptoms of the underlying cause of diabetes. Diabetes or peripheral neuropathy. Let's talk a bit about uh, some of the causes. You mentioned diabetes, but what else can be contributory toward a diagnosis of peripheral neuropathy? Yeah, the most common one is diabetic neuropathy. It's very well known and also immune or autoimmune conditions. Low back pain, like people have stenosis that's pressed on their nerve that can affect the neuropathy. Injury to the nerve itself on the, on the leg. Alcohol abuse, and then also chemotherapy are some of the causes for peripheral neuropathy. Can there be misdiagnosis? For example, you mentioned about the connection with the numbness. I'm wondering if maybe sometimes that is misdiagnosed as um, just arthritis and a doctor's kind of dismissive and saying, well, at your age, arthritis is normal, when in fact the autoimmune, and there is a dynamic of arthritis that is very much autoimmune related, isn't there? Yes. Is, is the body, that there, if there's, what's the cause of autoimmunity is inflammation. Inflammation is actually what's causing the nerve to be damaged. That's the definition of peripheral neuropathy is damage of the nerve. So inflammation causing autoimmunity is the damage of the nerve. So what we have to do, we have to address the inflammation. And we have to ask the question, why is the body causing this inflammation within our system? So that's my work. One thing I think that's troubling to a lot of people that are dealing with many of the symptoms that you've addressed, and that is this notion that if we understand what it is, if we have an understanding insofar as what is contributory toward it, why is it that so many people still suffer from neuropathy or, even worse for seniors, the loss of balance? Yes, for seniors or baby boomers, the loss of balance is major because, number one, cause of death for seniors is what? Falling. Why did they fall? 
because of the nerve. The nerve is being damaged. So we need to find out and really seriously fixing the root cause of the problem. And unfortunately, if they get their doctors to examine their pain, usually they come in with what? Oh, I have this tingling numbness, burning sensation, my feet is swelling. And the doctors will address what their discomfort and give them some anti-seizure medications to mask the problem, not fixing the root cause of the problem. For example, I always give this diabetic neuropathy. What's the, what are the cause of their neuropathy is the diabetic. So what do we have to do? Do we just treating the nerve or we have to do both, treating the blood sugar level and also taking care of the nerve? If we want to heal the body as it's a unit, we have to do both in order for us to get the results. Unfortunately, most of the patients are only receiving partial of their treatments, They're like masking the pain. That's why patients are not getting better. Some of the patients come in to me saying that their doctors actually said this, this to, to them, is that once you have neuropathy, you're not supposed to get better. You have to live with it. Take mm-hmm. this medication and mask the pain, and you have to live with it. And in reality, the body can heal itself from within. When you fix the body, the body can repair it. My approach is fixing chronic pain is fixing the body from within. So it sounds like the real utter irony here is that if it's not at the onset misdiagnosed, it's typically mistreated. So a patient comes in, they're having certain complaints, they take a look at the blood sugar levels and say, oh, we're diagnosing you as being type 2 diabetic. Here's a prescription for metformin or here's some pain pills. And what we're really not doing is we're not treating the underlying cause or, as you've just suggested, we're sending patients home with a sense that it's absolutely hopeless. Get used to it. You're always going to feel numbness. You're always going to be in pain because that's just what happens. Yes, that's the reality. But we can always do better when we're using a different approach. Let's talk about that different approach. What do you do differently than the typical physician that just goes in and says, here's a script, go take some pills? The first question I always ask the patients is, that, do we have a healthcare care system or a sick care system? So we understand that the sick care system is good for acute emergency. It really saves life because the model that we're using what we so-call like healthcare system is the model for acute emergency crisis care. It really works and we really save lives. However, how do you fix the chronic conditions? We cannot use the acute model to fix the chronic conditions. How can we fix the chronic condition? We have to fix the body so the body can heal from within. I keep saying that, but that's the thing, that's the mindset that we have to change in order for us to be better and fix our health conditions is to deal with the body so the body can function better and heals from within. So it's really a holistic approach then where you're taking a look at lifestyle, uh, diet, exercise, all of this? Yes. You have to take a look at the complete pictures. And I make it very easy. If you look in, uh, into my website, I keep saying that I am Thomas Edison's doctors. Thomas Edison said that, the doctors of the future will give no medicines, but instruct his patient in the care of the human frame. Human frame, okay, and in diet and the education of the cause and prevention of disease. And I am that type of doctor to help the patients to heal. So I use that as a model. 
And that's the model that I use to help the patient to understand and how they can heal from within. So fix the structures, the human frame, and diet. Not only the diet that we are dealing with, but also now we have scientific information, scientific testing, the genetic testing. We're able to identify your DNA, your weakness from within. So now we are able to give your body the right supplement at the right time for the right conditions so the body can heal. So, for example, if your weakness is in the inflammation, your genetic DNA will are able to identify your body has a weakness in controlling inflammation. So what can we do? Now we can give the body the right nutrients, the right supplement to help the body to reduce inflammation. As a result, when you are able to reducing the inflammation, your body has a better chance to heal. That's the approach that we have to do. We have to understand the weakness of the body and supporting the body with the right diet, which is the right supplement, to heal from within. We have the technology. This, this is wonderful. To better understand the exact way in which this new approach really makes a difference, let's give a listen to a testimony of one of your patients. Hi, I've been coming to see Dr. Dong for a month now, and I have uh, bad diabetes that I have to take insulin, long-acting and short-acting. It's like five times a day. And also I have a bad neuropathy. Since I've been coming here, I feel a lot better. The tingling of my foot are all gone, and my um, sugar level had gone down from 13 to 18, and now I'm just taking from 8 to 10. And all, but the uh, long acting still remains the same, but I have been getting hypoglycemia, so I need to call my doctor to adjust my insulin. So I think I'm on the right path right now. It's really going down. Now, Dr. Duong, we just heard from one of your patients. Clearly, she has been frustrated having seen doctors for treatment for diabetes, neuropathy, and that the irony was that over a course of time, there was no improvement whatsoever. Finally, she came and she saw you. Yes. Uh, what we have to do is we have to help these patients with the diabetics, lowering down their blood sugar naturally, um, and then also addressing uh, her nerve discomfort. In this case, we have to do both. That's how we get the results for the patients. And are these results, as we heard in that testimony a moment ago, typical for most of your patients? This is very typical because I love to do what I do because I get the patients better. I enjoying every moment of it, like every day. I just love to go into my clinic and see patients that's smiling, and then they always say, hey, I'm getting better as a result of the treatments. So I, I wrote it out, and um, this is one of my uh, missions is if you have any health condition, any physical pain, we believe the solution is inside your body. Together, we create the healing habits so that your body your mind and your soul can heal from within. What's the purpose? As a result, we live a better quality life. That's what we are put in earth for, live a better quality life. If you've been suffering from diabetes and the side effects, including peripheral neuropathy, and you've simply been told by your physician, accept it, you've got no choice. Maybe it's time to take a different approach. 
Right now, Dr. Duong is offering a very special opportunity for the first eight callers who qualify to receive a consultation for just $47. Now, this is normally a $287 value, but for the first eight callers who qualify, this special consultation is just $47. To find out more, call 510-818-1668. That's 510-818-1668. Or simply go to drduonglive.com. That's dr. D-U-O-N-G live.com drduonglive.com or call 510-818-1668 and doctor we mentioned about these first eight callers who will receive this uh, discounted consultation normally you get a $287 value for just $47 in that consultation tell us briefly what happens first you fill out a detailed questionnaire I ask questions so I can understand the patient's need what are their symptoms? What are their, what's the main thing that is bothering them? And then in, in their history, then during the consultations, I will address those symptoms. What is the underlying reasoning for these symptoms? We want to dissect the, the symptoms and find out where is the problem coming from. And then if you have a blood work, bring your blood work um, with you. Um, so this way that we will able to identify where, it, um, where is the problem coming from. And then I might uh, suggest you to do some tests or not. So it's based on um, our conversation, based on our consultation. We will see how we can move this forward. And then from there, you come up with a treatment strategy to help the patient begin to get on the road to healing. Yes. It's always the body. I'm not here to treat any conditions. I'm here to help to supporting the body so the body can heal from within. For more information about this special opportunity, again, for the first eight callers who qualify, normally a $287 consultation value, just $47. Call now, 510-818-1668. That's 510-818-1668. Or go online to drduonglive.com. That's drduonglive.com. This has been another edition of Healing Habits with Dr. John Duong. More information on the web at drduonglive.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.